Cam, and welcome to another quarantine edition of the Voice of the Fans podcast. As always, got my man Cleavon with me. How you doing, Cleavon? Doing all right, maintaining as best I can during this uh, situation. How about yourself, Cam? I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm doing pretty good. Hey, later on, man, I just want to get, I want you to let the fans in on some insight of the recovery from the hip surgery that you had recently, and then the progress you're making. I want to know how how soon you you're going to be getting on the tennis courts. Sounds good. Yeah, can't wait. Can't wait to give my uh, hypothesis on things. Yeah, yeah. We want, we want the fans are eager to hear that, especially some of the people down there in the three hundred five. As always, uh, we're going to do some NFL topics. We're going to have a couple of M- NBA discussions, most notably the last dance. Talk about that dream team that they put together and the results of that from the episodes on Sunday. We're also going to give you debate what are the top ten offenses in the NFL coming into this particular season. So get comfortable, fans, and Cleveland, let's do this. Also want to give a shout-out to the fans listening to Voice of the Fans on Rise Radio which is being pumped out of Vegas every Saturday at 2 p.m. And thank you guys for tuning in to Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Tuned In, iHeartRadio, Spotify. However you listen to the show, we appreciate you guys for tuning in, and thank you for your constant, constant contributions. As we do each and every week, Mr. Cleveland, it is May 6, 2020, week 87. When you think of the number six, who wore that best? We're going to have to go to some old school cats for this one, but who wore that best? And, or who first comes to your, your mind? Well, the first person that comes to my mind is the uh, is the doctor, Julius Irving, uh, played with the Nets and also the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, you know, just an iconic figure, uh, you know, the definition of cool, smooth, and grace. Uh, Dr. J is the first person comes to mind. Okay, how about the 11-time champion for the Boston Celtics, Mr. Bill Russell, who actually resides up in the Northwest? You ever think of that guy? I definitely do, and I think that he wore it best. I mean, there were awards named after his uh, his greatness, so Without question, I do think he wore it best, but the person that comes to mind uh, first is, you know, the doc. Gotcha. How about the number 87? Kind of a sparse category there, but number 87, when you think of number 87, who do you think of and who wore that best or who who wore that? Sure. The first person that comes to mind is a, a tight end. Uh, from New England that just absolutely wreaked havoc on the AFC East and kept a, oh quite a few other teams down for, for several oh years. A, a, you know, a three-time Super Bowl champion named Rob Gronkowski is probably the person that comes to mind first. Now, who wore it the best? I would have to say probably Sid the Kid, 
Sidekick Crosby from the NHL, you know, uh, excuse me, Pittsburgh Penguins. But who, you know, who the first person that comes to mind is the person that just ran, just ran over defenders um, his entire career, and is now getting resurrected, getting a second chance uh, to play with his Hall of Fame future, soon-to-be Hall of Fame quarterback uh, Tom Brady. It's in a new setting, you know, a little sunnier, a little, little, you know, more carefree. A little more, uh, you know, enthusiastic. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, don't don't cut your chickens before they hatch. In in regards to Mr. Tom Brady, sir, slow down on that one. Um, but that's a good call out of you, Mr. Rob Gorkowski, private guy, wore best. I thought I was thinking of another tight end, Mr. Dwight Clark, for the Niners. Uh, rest in peace. That's what I was thinking about as um, also. But that was a good call by you, Mr. Cleveland. We had some few few different stories, things happening within the NFL the last few days here. But I want to touch on the winningest coach in NFL history, the coach with the most wins in NFL history, the coach who coached the only perfect team, the perfect season in NFL history. The only one. There's only been one. Might you under might you know who that one team is, sir? The one team, only team in the NFL to go undefeated. Might you know who that is? Well if there's only one Cam, of course we have to uh acknowledge the seventy two Dolphins as the only team to go through an entire season undefeated. Yeah, and the coach of that Miami Dolphin team was a jaw. Don Shula, the winningest coach, if I repeat that again, had more wins than any coach in NFL history, averaged almost 10 wins per season, sir. And in 33 years coaching, he had two losing seasons. How remarkable is that? So, Amazing. Uh, very, very difficult to be duplicated. He was called home a couple of days ago at the age of 90. Oddly enough, I went to go watch the Dolphins play back in, should it was 2009, I guess it was. And they were willing to move around the stadium. So you knew then it wasn't going to be much longer. But Don Shula left a legacy. And he left big shoes that the Dolphins have yet to fill since his retirement. They're still looking for not only a head coach, but they're looking for a quarterback to drop to him like Dandy Dan dropped to him in the 83 NFL draft. It's just amazing that teams can go so long with with great coaching and a great quarterback, and they turn around and, have neither for so long. What's the history been since Jimmy Johnson has a head? That's 99. They had a respectable head coach. And that was the end of Dan Marino's career. So we're going on 20 plus years with a not respectable coach or quarterback. So some things have to change down there. Um, It was clarified this week that 
the rookie quarterback who was drafted number five in the draft will not be entertaining wearing number 13. He has no business wearing that number, and he will not be wearing that number as he'll be wearing number one. And we know what comes with that guy who wears number one in any sport, any league, any team competition. He's supposed to be that guy if you put on number one. And you don't put on number one and then go sit on the sideline for 16 weeks. So already we're making bad decisions down there in South Florida in regards to our draft pick. Your thoughts on Don Shula, the Dolphins draft pick? Well, definitely uh, Don Shula sets the standard for uh, greatness with regards to uh, coaching. Um, he, he does have three Super Bowl, uh, two with the Dolphins, one with the Colts. So, I mean, he, he is that dude, you know, in, in every sense of the word. Um, with regards to the future of the uh, Miami Dolphins, I mean, you know, you have a, you know, a very energetic, enthusiastic coach in, you know, Coach Flores. Um, with regards to quarterbacks, um, Unfortunately, it didn't work out with the uh, Pro Bowl quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, who took his services over to Tennessee and is now doing his thing over there. But the you Pro do have Bowl a chance for... Hold on, hold on. The Pro Bowl quarterback, Ryan Tannehill? Yes, Ryan Tannehill made the Pro Bowl. So, um, again, um, <laughs> you, 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 you get a chance to uh, once again hit pay dirt with Tua Tagovailoa. And, you know, due to his humbleness... He did not demand uh, that uh, Dan Marino, you know, pull the retired number 13 down from the rafters just to bestow upon him. He's going to try and make his legacy wearing number one, which, again, as you, as you, you know, alluded to, is very, uh, you know, noble of him and, you know, puts a lot of, uh, you know, pressure on him and, kind of Are come you... through and, and be the savior of, of the franchise to kind of turn the corner and get them to the uh, higher highs that they have seen in years past. This guy this guy said it was humble of him not to request the number 13. Are you kidding me? What? <laughs> this guy said nothing deserves the number 13. That number 13 is is retired, Okay. Nobody wears that number. The greatest quarterback in history wore that number for the Miami Dolphins. And no, come on, man. This guy is not even close to have earned I've, 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 I've heard some reports from the 305 clamoring uh, for Tua Tagovailoa to have the uh, right uh, and privilege to wear that number. But, you know, I'm gonna cut given – those, those, the, are, those uh, are Homer fans who've been down in Miami for a little too long. They have some. These are big time. These are, these are big time reporters that have covered the team for twenty plus years. Some, some of them thirty. Some of them thirty plus years. Saying, saying, you know, hey, give give the kid a chance. Yeah, yeah, you give him a chance. You don't put put the number thirteen on him. You put the number thirteen on the guy who's going to start from day one. You put a number thirteen on the guy who comes in as the number one quarterback. And now you give the reins of the organization to him. You don't give them to a guy who's going to sit for a year. Okay? 
But you, bring, you but you bring up a you very, a but right there, but right there, Cam, you bring up a very good point. Ryan Fitzpatrick is, uh, you know, capable of putting up very big numbers and, you know, doing some good things. So it, it's, it's not, it's not as if he's coming right into a situation that's just ready made for him. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick has done some things in this league, and let's not. Let's not, uh, you know, fight him in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Let, let's not what Ryan Fitzpatrick threw. Let's five not slight. Let's game. not slight Ryan Fitzpatrick oh, and what he's been able to do in this league over a long period of time. <laughs> Has he won a playoff game, Mister Fitzpatrick? Has he been, let me know that. Has he won a playoff game? Oh. You know, I'm not in a, I'm not on ESPN. dot com right this very second, oh, so I can't oh. I can't pull up the stats right away. Oh, he had all but the I'm just, I'm just, but, I, but I'm just saying, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick does some big things in this league, uh, and, and, most and, has earned, and has earned the right to be a starter. And again, let's let let's not forget about Josh Rosen. I mean, you know, you're killing me. He's killing me. He had he had a great uh, career over there at UCLA. Uh, a top ten pick two years ago, and hey man, he's not just gonna just lay here silent. He's going to be battling as well. So let's hope Tua can uh, make his way up the depth chart. Oh wait, 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 wait! So now you're telling me that Tua, this guy who you were wanted to start the conversation off saying should wear the number thirteen, now he has to com- um, compete against Josh Rosen and Ryan Fitzpatrick. See, see how see what you're doing? How you talking out both sides of your mouth right now? You see how you're doing this? He's got a lot to learn, and he's got two great quarterbacks to learn behind. So two if he has that type of talent and capability, <laughs> he has that type of talent and capability to you know oh surpass them, usurp them on the on the list of uh, on the death chart, if you will. Then you know, kudos to him for being able to do that. All right, we're gonna we're gonna restrict you from talking about the Dolphins. All right for. Until the game, until we have games, we're restricting Cleveland from talking about the Dolphins. Clearly, he's. I mean, he's. What? what how? It was ninety degrees here in Los Angeles. What was the temperature up there? Have the Have you been sunstroke up there? Have oh, we're. Uh, have you been? We're, you, we're, you no, we're 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 modest uh, sixty-one degrees up here. This. You know, All right. All right. So are you hungover there from? Are you hungover from? Cinco de Mayo, like you're you're talking about the great Ryan Fitzpatrick and the great Josh Rosen. You're losing credibility quick, Cleveland. I'm just trying to save you, buddy. Okay, well, those are both quarterbacks that have started in the NFL. Has Tua Tagovailoa ever started in the NFL? No, that's what I'm telling you. Tua is trash. Okay, well, wow. Okay, wow. What you're trying to tell me is, first, you try to say he deserved to wear the number 13, and he humbled himself. And he modestly told Marino, "No, I don't want to wear that number." And he took number one. That's that's what you're trying to tell me. And then, in the same breath, you're telling me he there's a competition between he and Fitzpatrick and Josh Rosen. And what I'm telling you is the guy who can wear number thirteen. There's no question that this guy gets the keys from day one. This guy. You, you cater offense to to that guy who could possibly, who even can be have the discussion with Marino who should wear that number. That's the kind of guy you turn the old offense over to, and you cater everything around him. You build around him, such as a guy who ended up in Cincinnati. 
Mr. Joe Burrow. You don't you don't have no consideration of doing that with an injury prone quarterback who will be lucky to see him play start five games in two seasons. It will be lucky if we if we get that done. Lucky, I say. Speaking of quarterbacks and the quarterback position and quarterback changes around to different teams, Andy Dalton recently signed Andy Dalton, who I would who's better than all three quarterbacks who's in Miami right now. Andy Dalton signed a signed a modest salary with the Dallas Cowboys. Does this signing put any pressure on Dak? And what's your over under on game starter for Andy Rosen for the Cowboys this coming season? Well, my under my over under for games started by Andy Dalton is uh, zero. I don't think he'll start a, a single game this year. Um, I think it's a great insurance policy in case um, negotiations with Dak Prescott go sideways, get a little squirrely, and if there's an injury that happens. Um, Andy Dalton's a, a Texas native, and you know he's, he's coming back home. So he feels comfortable. Uh, and again, they have a new head coach that has a little bit more of an up tempo throwing offense and just got a, a great new receiver in CD Lamb. So we'll see what they can do. Oh, and then also locked up uh, your guy, Amari Cooper, for five years. So, yeah, it's a good situation for Andy Dalton. I don't think he's going to start now. If you're over under zero, I I got something on that. I want I want I want a piece of that action. I want a piece of that action. As we know, Dak Prescott has not missed many games in his career in the first four years. I don't think he missed a game. Odds are that he has some time where he'll be on the bench or in the training room for a week or so, and that's perfect opportunity for Andy Dalton to get in there with some actual talent and show what he can I'm, do. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so sorry, Sir Lotzke, is because he hasn't missed a game to this point that he's due to miss a game? Is that I, what you're I, saying? Because yeah, the only way I see him missing a game is if, is if the contract isn't signed and he well, holds out a game or two. Well, but just have, from physical you, presence on the field, I don't think he's going to miss a game. Well, you cut me off before I can get there. That is That is another thing that's I mean, him wanting $40 million, is the Cowboys not willing to pay this $40 million. And he can potentially hold out, and we'll see if that's another reason he'll miss a game. But, yeah, odds are that he'll miss a game sooner or later. And so I want a piece of that action zero over under the game that Andy Dalton starts. I'll take that. Okay. Speaking about players, you know, um, you mentioned Dak is pretty under, under, undestructible and pretty reliable. Speaking of reliable players, we want to talk about Frank Gore as he signs another contract with his former head coach, Adam Gase, up in New York. So kudos to him going on, a, what is this, a 20-year career for him? In the NFL, at running back of all of all positions, does the longevity of Frank Gore make him 
a Hall of Fame candidate. I think if I if I'm not mistaken, he's number three in the in rushing right now for a career overall. Without question, Frank Gore is a candidate for uh, the Hall of Fame, um, and probably has better numbers uh, over time than some of the players that are in the Hall of Fame at present. So, yeah. I definitely think that Frank Gore is someone that should be uh, high consideration once his career ended, or ends, I should say, uh, just for the amount of time that he's put up consistent great numbers. Consistent great numbers, I would challenge that. We Let's just say consistent numbers. Let's just say consistent numbers. Five-time Pro Bowler in 20 years. So 25% of the time he made the Pro Bowl for four different teams he played on. I don't think his career is quite 20 years. I think it's more like 16, 17. But uh, he's, he's 15 years. It's not over 15, yet. 15 years. Yeah, so it's not over yet. So, you know, we can't really say, you know, what he's, you know, going to do in the future, but certainly he is on the down slope of a, of a great career, but yeah, once you start talking about the third all-time leading rusher in the history of the game, yeah, that's that's significant and Hall of Fame worthy in my opinion. Those numbers are Hall of Fame worthy. I mean, it, I it think it's longevity. you you got to credit him for longevity, staying healthy, being ready to go when they called him, obviously, and having people want want him to be on the team, want him to to come back and play for them. When you're doing that, you're doing something right. So kudos to Frank Gore. Not sure he's a Hall of Famer, though, but kudos to Frank Gore for still getting it done 16 years later. So you're up in the north Northwest, and – you and Pete, I mean, you know you're a big fan of Snyder, Pete, in the office, the front office there. Can you let the people know why they're refusing to sign Jadavian Clowney? Why they waiting? Why they letting the man linger off for some time? Absolutely, Cam. Um, I've had a lot of time to uh, kind of research this topic and discuss it with. Uh, you know, peers and fellow fans around the area, and basically what it comes down to is uh, Davian Clowney's demands adverse um, what he's been able to produce on the field. So Davian Clowney wants dominant pass rusher money, but Davian Clowney is not a dominant pass rusher. He definitely uh, disrupts offensive plays is a disruptor and there's a certain market for that. It's just not the market that he wants. And unfortunately for him, due to the uh, coronavirus, he hasn't been able to get out and about some of these other teams and let the other doctors kind of take a look at him. But um, everyone is, you know, very cautious with regards to proceeding um, with giving him a big contract given his uh, injuries in the past and um, his production on the field adverse to what he wants monetarily. So 
that's why it hasn't happened at this point. Um, they were hoping it would have happened sooner. It didn't, and so they had to move in a few different directions, and so they have insurance contingency plans, um, you know, in place in case it doesn't happen. And you know, if he goes and gets that uh, big twenty million dollars somewhere else, you know, kudos to him for doing that. But I don't really think that's coming. So we'll just have to see how this whole thing plays out over time. Okay. Um, thanks for your feedback on that. I think they're missing out by not having Clowney in there, uh, especially if they don't have a replacement or somebody who's been in the wait in the in waiting to kind of get on the field and show what they can do because uh, that's production. Their position from a productive. The Seahawks need that production from that position is what I'm trying to say. If they don't get it, they'll be set back again, but the Seahawks need that production from that position. So let's see what, what they actually decide to do. Bears, the Chicago Bears decline Mitchell Trubisky's fifth-year option. Your thoughts on that? Do we see Trubisky in another uniform? Is he done? What's, what's your thoughts? I don't think he's done. I just think it was, uh, you know, a very large number to take on, and he hasn't shown what he's to do. Uh, hence that there are other quarterbacks that are coming in to compete for the uh, starting job, and we'll see how everything goes. But he is by no means shown um, the ability or the promise that they had hopes for when they trapped number two in the draft. Yeah, that's in, that's interesting. Um, I I was a fan of Trubisky coming into the league, and how quickly that's re- regressed, or he's regressed, or you know, we're just not seeing the same play out of him. So hopefully, for a kid's sake, <clears throat> he can find find a get heated up and find a nice landing spot during this off season. Uh, last NFL topic before we get to uh, some stuff in the NBA. We're going to take a break and then get back into the NBA or get into the NBA, I should say. But last NFL talk for, for now, would you – who do you expect to see the field first, be signed by a team and see the field first? Is it – Cam Newton? Or Leonard Fournette? To get signed first, I would say Cam Newton. To see the field first, I would say Leonard Fournette. Because I think that Cam Newton is going to get signed probably most likely as a backup. Wherein, um, if Leonard Fournette goes to another team, he will probably be the starter or... um, a backup that will see the field before Cam Newton as a backup quarterback. Are they are they clearing space for Fournette up in there in Seattle? Because they need a running back, as you know. No, they are not clearing any uh, salary cap space for Leonard Fournette. Thanks for asking. Maybe in Miami, though, because they don't have a running back either. Thanks for pointing that out. That's something your your guy Flores did apparently recognize. Yeah. 
Sorry, yeah. I was hearing crickets. I was hearing crickets back there yeah. on the other end. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, Sorry. yeah. That, that's a, apparently your guy Flores didn't recognize uh, that they needed a, a running back, so they didn't draft one for some reason. Oh, that's right. DeAndre Swift was there, and they 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 went in a different direction. Mm-hmm. See, see how you doing? Um, I'm thinking uh, you broke it down pretty good there. Cam Newton will probably be signed as a backup. I'm not sure who takes him. Is it the Chargers here take him? Does Denver take him? Chicago clearly needed a quarterback. They decided to go with uh, Foles. Um, interested to see his landing spot. And, you know, it's a, with this quarantine, is hurting because I just don't think teams are able to do the touch and feel process on him and see that he's truly healthy with their doctors, et cetera. They just see him working out and his friends uh, being there to help him out. But we don't know what that what that looks like. So Cam Newton will probably sign as a backup quarterback and Leonard Fournette. I mean, he may be waiting a little longer um, just because of how sour things went in Jacksonville. He might be just waiting a little longer because regardless of teams need a running back or, or not, we see that they can get that cheap guy in the draft. Since very few players are lasting the same length as Frank Gore, you know, they can get these guys anywhere, run them down for a few seasons, and then, you know, find the next guy. So that would be interesting to see how that actually shakes out. But I think we agree on Cam and probably not so much on Fournette. Cleveland, let's take a little break here, man. I want to come back. I want to talk to you about the Last Dance documentary, your thoughts. So I know I know how much you enjoy watching Michael Jordan, but I want to see what you got enjoyment from this week. So let's take a break here and we'll come back to it. All right, fans, thank you guys for tuning in once again. As always, this is your band Cam. I got Cleveland with me. And we're going to talk about the Last Dance documentary, the last dance of the Chicago Bulls as they won the last the title of their six titles in the 90s. Cleveland, are you glued to the TV, man? Are you enjoying this? Are you enjoying seeing the GOAT of basketball get down and kind of some of the behind-the-scenes excerpts that they're showing and kind of the truth that he's given? Well, I'll be honest with you, Cam. I am glued to the TV um, watching The Last Dance because at this point, given the pandemic that is sweeping the world, there's not a lot of content. So this is really kind of the only thing that's kind of new, fresh, although it's just recanting what happened, uh, you know, 22 years ago. At the same time, it is uh, it's new, fresh, and you know, kind of a candid um, look into that final season and the glory and the magic that is, you know, Jordan Allah. So from that point, yes, I am glued to the television. 
um, and kind of just kind of seeing where this whole thing transpires and which direction it goes in. Well, I too am interested in seeing this and how things are, are, are trans transpiring. Are you were you surprised by the relationship he and Kobe had in his career that not really many people knew about? I was actually, and then I did read a backstory on the undefeated that said it was uh, much more further in depth than people knew, and that they were both kind of because of the nature of the relationship and kind of where they both were in their careers and kind of, you know, how social media kind of took off shortly after Jordan's career was over, that they kind of kept it a little bit more under wraps than it was, um, which was, I guess, the that was one of the things I took from The Last Dance is that um, I was kind of, I was really surprised at how emotional Michael Jordan was at uh, the Kobe Bryant Memorial um, and just given the level of emotion that he showed, it definitely um, alluded to the fact that they had a much closer relationship than, than people knew. And, you know, it's easy to make the comparisons um, kind of given the similarities in their game and their drive and their competitiveness. But, um, again, the article that I read on the undefeated was kind of um, showing how, you know, Michael Jordan didn't really open himself up to a lot of other players, but definitely made himself available to him because he saw so much of himself in Kobe and just kind of how much he wanted it more than other players and was willing to kind of be that uh, mentor, big brother that he wasn't to other players. So that was very interesting to see. Okay. Um, so was that your final takeaway from the last dance the documentary over the weekend was his relationship with Kobe? The two takeaways that I got from the last dance were really funny. Um, when they were doing the uh dream team photo and uh you know magic uh, kind of pulled in. I'm, I'm sorry, you know where I'm going with this? <laughs> Now it's kind of pulled in so that I can't get clear, too close up because they got call a foul. Oh, right. And then right, everybody's right. trying to crack it up. It's like, okay. So it's not just me just imagining this. This is like, uh, yeah, it's kind of common knowledge, right? Right. And then the other thing was I had forgotten, and don't get me wrong, damn, I am all about superstar preferential treatment. If you're that dude, the rules are different for you. But I forgot how personally Horace Grant took it that he had to do more than Michael Jordan. And then I didn't know the fact that Michael Jordan kind of made him the scapegoat for the Jordan rules book, that all the information that came about was from Horace Grant. So that was kind of weird that he kind of threw him out of the bus, getting they want. He did championships together, and he was like, oh, okay. Yeah. You don't actually know who the source is, but you're 100% sure it was him, and you made it, like, publicly known that you, that you that's your feelings on it. So that was another takeaway that I took from the, uh, the last uh, episode of The Blast Dance. Yeah, that clearly he holds no punches, right? Clearly he's going to address you if if he gives an opportunity. Um and he he is 
no qualms about doing so. And he probably knew it was Horace because the, the other players dare speak against Michael Jordan, right? Where, where Horace right, and, and, and Horace had been so outspoken, I had for, kind of forgotten about that, about the double standard and how he didn't think it was fair, and I never understood that. I mean, you know, you, you, you guys don't do the same things, you don't have those same level of expectation, and it's like, why would you think that the rules apply in the in you know in the same in the same way? So, well, Horace felt, and if you recall, I think this came out when he signed with Orlando. Horace felt that he was a big, a major part of contributor to their first three P. And that without him, they wouldn't have got, they wouldn't accomplish that. Again, when he went to Orlando to play with Shaq and Penny, that was kind of the stop process, and he let a little bit of it out at that point, which gave Jordan the ammunition to say Horace was the one letting it out, if you remember that. Um. So speaking of that dream team, that dream team, you know, Charles Barkley, Carl Malone, Patrick Ewing, David Robinson, Dan Marley, um, who else you have? John Stockton, Bird, Magic, Jordan. I mean, that was, have to, that was the best team ever assembled as a, I mean, it'd be foolish of anybody to debate that. But my question for you is, the redeemed team, Kobe LeBron, Carmelo, Dwayne Wade, who would you take? Which Which team would you take? to the YMCA to win you some basketball games? When the question was first posed, I looked at the original Dream Team, and to be quite honest with you, I thought it was a little top. I thought what? I at the top, a little top heavy. So at the top, you got Magic Michael Bird. Magic, D-Rob, Scott Pippen, top heavy. And then you get down to your your directors, your Richmonds, your Stocktons, your Leighton's, your Mullins, your Mitch Richmonds. The Redeem team, same thing, top heavy. Kobe, LeBron, the entire class of 03, right? Less uh, <laughs> Darko, right? I'm sorry, less. Uh... Oh, yeah, less Darko. So it's it's uh, LeBron, Carmelo, Bosch, D Wade, throw in a little, you know, a Kobe, throw in a Jason Kidd. That's kind of where it stops there. Chris, yeah, Chris Boss, Chris Paul, Michael Red on that squad. 
Yeah, but that, that's what I'm saying. See, then you start dressing to your Michael Reds and your Tayshawn Prince's and your your Carlos Boozer, Ron Williams's and your Carlos Boozers, and it's like, oh, okay, that team is top heavy too. And the tiebreaker to me is Tim Duncan. The Tim Duncan's on the LA team; they they, they beat them too. If, if that doesn't if Tim Duncan's on what team? He's on the redeemed team. I think I think they did. But to, it's Dwight Howard instead of Tim Duncan that is the difference for me. But you got Chris Bosh on that squad. Hold on, you're Carmelo. You're you're you're, you're Carmelo. You're not rolling with Carmelo and what he was doing. And LeBron James, your boy, LeBron James, who tried to steal Irving's number. Are you kidding me? No, that I, I said that already. I, I said that they were top heavy. Kobe, D Wade, LeBron, J Kid. They're top heavy. But it's not it doesn't translate without Tim Duncan. If Tim Duncan's on that team they beat those guys. That's what I said. If Tim Duncan, Tim, you're making Tim Duncan the the man who differentiates the 2008 Redeem team and the '92 Dream. Well, who, yes. Help me out. Who who is Tim Duncan guarding? Is he, he's guarding who? Carl Malone, Carl Malone. Dave, David Robinson, Jordan Carl Malone, uh, uh, Patrick Ewing, um, Jordan Carl Malone, Charles, Charles Barkley. Did I, did, I mean, did, I, did, I, did I say that? I mean, come to, on. To, Kobe, Kobe gets with Mike. I, I love, uh, LeBron, I love Tim Duncan. LeBron gets with Scotty. I mean, is that, is that not happening? Does Jason Canada, you know, gets with uh, Magic? Is that is that we're not good with that? Or I mean, okay, Jason Kidd, and I, I can see. I mean, he or Chris Paul, either one. Neither of them match up well with Maggie Johnson. I think you know that already. Well, I think Jason Kidd gives you the best chance of anybody that can match up with Magic. And I think that he uh, you know, runs the point very effectively and probably shoots a little bit better than Magic. Well, I, I, I don't see – I love Tim Duncan. I don't see him being that difference maker for those guys. To get them over the hurdle, I don't see it. I got re- I got the dream team all the way in an easy resounding victory. That that's who my money would be on. Speaking, I mean, of it's a compelling it's a it's a compelling game. I mean, again, you, you're talking about you know what 15 uh, MVPs on the other side, so. Yeah, MVPs versus Hall of Famers. That's what we're talking about. Um, yeah. Yeah, MVPs versus Hall of, Fa- Hall of Famers. MVP, then, MVP Hall of Famers versus just Hall of Famers. Yeah. yeah you got Ron's got his four. Kobe's got his one. Maybe uh, Dwight Howard had one. I don't remember. Maybe that one year. But, uh, yeah. No, definitely, you know, the three for Max, the three for Bird, the four for 
you know, Jordan, one for Bart, and, you know, the one for Rob, and, you know, definitely, you know, there's some star power out there, like one or two for Carl. There's definitely some star power out there, man. I'm just saying. I think Tim Duncan swayed the end. Swayed the end. Wow. That's a that's a confident pick there. That's a confident pick. Let's um we have a coming up this weekend we have a live UFC competition, UFC two forty nine. Tony Ferguson versus Justin Gacy leads uh leads a tremendous card. They're the headliners on this tremendous tremendous card I I should say. And who do you have winning this fight? Uh, for my money it's gonna be Tony Ferguson. I think that uh given that the set of circumstances it's hard for someone that doesn't have as much talent. Um to kind of find an advantage and kind of get past all of the other obstacles that are in their path, you know, just kind of given the environment and, you know, what they're going into, it's got to be Ferguson. So you're, I, I have Ferguson one in this one as well. Uh, Gacy, I think it would be a tough competitive matchup, but I have Ferguson winning this one. If it goes five rounds, probably somewhere else. I don't think it gets past the end of the third. So um, it should be a, a good, clean knockout, drag-out fight. Both of the guys want to stick in the middle of the ring. Both these guys want to get after each other, so it should be a pretty good UFC bat, bout as they're going to be doing this a uh, couple of a couple of nights is coming up week just to get some fans, get the fans something, which is sports that they've been clamoring for for a long time now. Cleveland, let's take a little break, big guy. When we come back, we're going to talk about some more NFL topics. The schedule is going to be released. Ask you about the Patriots versus the Buccaneers schedule. And then we're going to talk about our top 10 offenses going into this season and kind of how, how they shake out. I have my list, you have your list, and we're going to talk about it. So let's take a little break here. Hey, fans. One thank you guys for tuning in to our Voice of the Fans podcast, as you do each and every week. We appreciate the love. Please make sure to tell a friend, to tell a friend, to tell a friend about our show. Additionally, I'd like to ask that you guys subscribe to our Voice of the Fans YouTube page. Go to YouTube, type in Voice of the Fans, hit the subscribe button. What you're going to find there is a lot of exclusive content. Interviews between Greg Popovich and myself, Scott Farrell, Sports Talk host, and myself. You're going to hear my conversation with Emmett Smith. Hear why he tells me to go do some research. You're also going to see my interview with Jim Brown, legendary Jim Brown. You're going to see my interviews with Eric Dickerson. You're going to see my interview with Terrell Davis. Hear why Terrell Davis says that Broncos running system was not a system. Hear his explanation of that. Once again, Voice of the Fans on YouTube page. 
Check it out. Again, tell a friend to tell a friend because we appreciate that love. Thank you guys for tuning in. And as always, thank you for making our voice your choice. What's good, fans? Thank you guys for coming back. And thank you guys for, again, sticking around to listen to the Voice of the Fans podcast. This is your man, Cam. And we just want to give you guys fresh content each and every week, man. Each and every week, want to dig into some various aspects of the NFL, the NBA, soccer season still come back, or the MLS. We're going to give you some of that as well. And it's getting close to the girls playing basketball or the women playing basketball. And we're seeing the Los Angeles Sparks on the court. So we're going to have that those discussions coming up later in the year. But as I mentioned, we want to talk about some more NFL topics. But before we do that, Cleveland, I want to give you some history lessons, man. Things from this week in history. Back in 1787, the first black Masonic Lodge was founded by Prince Hall in Boston. On May the 4th, 1961, Corps began their freedom rides from Washington, D.C. to force the segregation or desegregation um, of southern bus terminals in 1961. Again, fight for our rights back in the day, kind of when that stuff was initially, the civil rights movement was initially kicking off. Five seven seventeen hundred. William Penn began monthly meetings uh, for black advoc- for advocating black emanci- emancipation back in the seventeen hundreds. So well before slavery was abolished, we had William Penn who set up monthly meetings for blacks advocating emancipation, trying to help them out. Also. Have you heard the name of Roger Bannister? Roger Bannister, the four-minute mile? Exactly that guy. This uh, five-sixths of the day, so many moons ago, Bannister got out there and did the damn thing. Four-minute mile. Pretty impressive. So, Cleveland, we got this week we have uh, the NFL schedule going to be released. If it's not leaked out for your teams already, have you taken a look to see who the Seahawks face this season? It's not it's not time yet, Ken. I'll get to it when it comes out. Oh, so, okay, you haven't seen any leaked versions, huh? I have well, not, no. So in terms of the schedule coming out, as you know, it's had, it comes out tomorrow, but do you project or would you think that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers get the same billing as the New England Patriots? Will they see just as many games on national TV? I think that they will see just as many games on national television for sure. So what what, what would be your number? 
going out this week. 10 to 15, 8 to 9. Are we talking about like Sunday night or Monday night football games? Is that, is that what we're referring to? Yeah. I yeah, think probably the champ. I, I think the Tampa Bay Bucks are good for six to six to eight. And and the Patriots, you don't think they're gonna get, they're gonna be the flex now? What if where TV I networks are flexing I, I out think, of? I, I think it, I think they're good for five to seven. Okay, okay, that'll be interesting. See how that kind of shakes out. Um, Cleveland, I decided over the next couple of weeks, man. Let's start giving these fans what they want as far as uh, more NFL content. And I want to create, give them a list for the next few weeks of tonight of what's going on in the NFL, some of the behind-the-scenes information. And let's talk about the top offenses of the for the upcoming season. Not last season, but this season coming up. Let's talk about I want to reveal our top five. Be nice if we can come to an agreement on this, but I know it takes a lot of coaching for you and sometimes I just don't have that time. But I'm gonna reveal my top ten. I'm gonna go backwards for ten to five. You let me know what you think or where I missed off, where I left somebody off. I have the coach coming in at number 10. They signed a new running back. They got Michael Pittman from here and Southern Cal. They're right here. They should have found a, a running back or somebody who can consistently carry the load for them. So I have uh, oh, Marlon Mack, the running back to pair with Marlon Mack is what I should have said. I have them at 10, 10, number 10 offense, top 10 offenses of the upcoming season. I also have the Cleveland Browns at number nine. They slipped from a couple of weeks ago. I think I had them a little higher, but Baker Mayfield is going to have to learn a new program, a new system, all that. So that's going to hinder his development just as as it should, or I'm expecting it would be the receiver. Um, the receiving core, they have an awesome receiving core, but they're all learning a new offense. How can they come together and can they jail, can they jail in time for the season? and then start putting up numbers like you would expect from the talent that they have. I have the Falcons. We know the Falcons can put up points. They just can't stop anybody. I have the Falcons at number seven. And I have New England, or excuse me, the Green Bay Packers, led by Hall of Fame quarterback Aaron Rodgers and Again, their defense kind of hurt them more than their offense let them down. So I have the Packers convincingly at the number seven spot with the Niners just ahead of them at the number six spot. If Garoppolo can come come together and start playing like a true professional quarterback, 
um, that offense could be even more potent. You want to reveal your top? To what do you think of those the five through ten on my list? Um, not bad, Ken. Not bad. Not bad. Um, few teams and, missing there, uh, and it sounds like um, I, I was would be hoping that our, our, our top five are very similar. Uh, maybe the order is just a little bit different. I don't know. And I can definitely take it uh, from one through five on my list and see what you think or or. Well, let's go five to ten. Let's go. Let's go um, five to ten, or ten to five, ten to six, rather. Reveal your list, and we can save the our top ten, or the top five, or top ten for later. Sure. So at uh, at ten, I had uh, your Falcons coming in. I think Curly is going to help. At number nine, for me, I like uh, the Buffalo Bills. With the addition of uh, Zach Moss, a bit hard running running back from Utah, to uh, team up with Singletary um, in the backfield, and then of course they got someone that you know claims Harry, uh, you know, a number one diva receiver in Stephon Diggs. So if he's half of what he thinks he is, um, makes that offense much better. Uh, I got the Rams at number eight, picking up uh, Cam Akers from Florida State who they say is the uh, second coming of Zelda Cook, um, and Van Jefferson, uh, receiver from Florida, just going to uh, step in and replace uh, the production that Brandon Cook's put up. So that's what I got going on there. Um, so that's 10, 9, 8. At 7, um, I have the Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, just picked up a, a young C.D. Lamb. So, oh, I'm sorry, and your guy from Alabama, Amari Cooper, signed a five-year deal. So they have a chance to be a pretty productive offense. Pittsburgh Steelers at six, picking up Chase Claypool. Receiver uh, for another day. Running back uh, in Maryland, from Maryland, who they compare to a young Le'Veon Bell uh, and Big Ben Roethlisberger coming back healthy uh, the year before he got hurt, he threw his 5,000 yards. So um, definitely they can do some things. Um, let's see, that's uh, six. Uh, should, I stop if, should I stop before I get to five or should I do my number five team? You can go ahead and reveal your five. Number five, five. team being the Tennessee Titans with uh, newly signed uh, Ryan Tannehill oh at quarterback goodness. and also uh, the NFL's leading rusher in Derrick Henry. Um, they got to the AFC Championship game last year. They've added a few wrinkles uh, to their offense and uh, definitely can put up uh, 23, 28 points at any given time by anyone. <clears throat> I mean, I hate to make you go back, but you have Ryan Tannehill in your top five, leading your top five offenses of the season, coming into the season? That's correct, yes. Are you off your rocker, man? Are you off your rocker? 
what has Cleveland? Some you're ill, buddy. You're ill. Uh, I, I, I thought I thought you were gonna say like like what has he done? All he's gonna say is get his team to the AFC Championship, but then I think he he saw where you were going with that and stopped just short just short of that. So you can go back to your list for sure. <laughs> right, that this amazes me. This level career you have with Ryan Tannehill since he left South Florida. This is just this is astounding to me, actually. Um, you know, if I didn't know no better, my goodness. Um, so who do you have? Who do you have ahead of the Titans as their number as their offense, or excuse me, offensive guard maybe as their top ten offenses in the league? Who do you have the after your Tennessee? Titans oh, for sure. So, 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 so number four comes in with the uh, Arizona Cardinals. Uh, a young oh, Kyler Murray start, starting to kind of get his legs underneath him. Uh, they drafted a, uh, a running back from Arizona State who is perfected the end at Smith uh, Spin over there. His name is, uh, you know, Benjamin. And then they got this guy um, from Houston um, with really big, soft hands. They just uh, catches 100 receptions a year. A guy named DeAndre Hopkins to play next to another guy that has big soft hands and, you know, in his prime, caught 100 catches a year, but is good for 75 or so, a guy named Larry Fitzgerald. So I think that offense can uh, definitely do some things. Um, with the Kingsburg, you know, offensive system. Well, Still yeah, they're, they're, they're probably on their way last year. Um, they're kind of holding on and giving some of the overseeing chances now with at least, Hopkins and uh, Palmer gone. Or excuse me. Um, they should be able to drum up some better offenses, uh, offenses production, I, I should say. Um, so who else you got different than the Chiefs, Saints, and Ravens rounding out the top three? That's my top three. KC is one, Baltimore is two, New Orleans is three. Now I, I I have I have the Saints at number three because I think we we agree with the KC with the Chiefs. I don't think that's a no brainer. But I have the Saints number three with you know a healthy Drew Brees. I mean that offense has just been explosive the last few years. And I'm sorry, are you saying you have the, are you saying you have the Saints at number two? I have the Saints at number two. Excuse me. Yes. Just because I think he's more prolific passing the ball than Lamar Jackson has proven thus far, you know, running and passing. So I think they're. I would have to guess they put up more numbers, more points than the Ravens did last year. I would have to guess that. Um, but anyhow, I think their offense is a little bit more. Uh, uh, big play, hit you deep, and hit you with the short plays. Um, more balanced, and I'm just going with Drew Brees, a better passing quarterback, to give them the better offense. But the Ravens, I have at number three. You know, you can go either way. But I have them at number three. I just think Drew threw for, I think, something like 70,000 passing yards in his career. So I, I think um, 
Lamar Jackson is not quite there yet. That production we that we can't expect. So, but they do have a good defense. So that's how that's why I scored that one. I have the Cowboys with the aforementioned Andy Dalton uh, potentially getting some starts in there with the good running back as you mentioned, Amari Cooper. Now they have the young C.D. Lamb. We'll see how that trans how that transpires. But I have the Cowboys at number four. And at number five, I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the new found partnership between Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski is going to look good in there. Purple or what is that, pewter and beige or whatever they wear, pewter and gold, whatever color they call it. Um although they're coming out with a uniform switch here fairly soon, I think they'll be having a more prolific offense uh, than some of the other teams that we were previously mentioned. What's your argument with those guys? Well, my argument with the Bucks is that the aforementioned players are old and uh, probably live more on uh, name and reputation than actual ability. Um, and they're learning a new system. It's 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 easy to do things by rote memory. You've been doing it for 20 years, as opposed to trying to learn something and kind of not really fully 100% kind of already knowing where everyone's supposed to be, as opposed to you kind of getting on the same page with everyone and then everyone being on the same page. For 20 years, Tom Brady is like, get on my page. Now it's like, okay, we all have to be on the same page and let me make sure that I'm on the same page with everyone else, as opposed to everyone else getting on the same page with me. Same with Rock. So do you, do you try, trying doubt. to redo that is, is going to be difficult, but it'll be sunny weather and a, and a much more, uh, you know, pleasant coach to deal with. So we'll see, you, we'll see what happens. Do you not believe that Tom Brady, or not Tom Brady, do you, do you believe that they're setting their hours where Tom Brady is? He's communicating with his receivers and differently, obviously, than they would have six weeks ago. But do you actually not foresee those guys working together and Tom Brady going home for lunch and staying away an hour and a half, not really coaching his girls up? Do you foresee that? So you didn't hear a thing I just said, apparently. What I, what I just said is that Tom Brady – is used to reading the same book for the last 20 years. He knows the book. It's up to everyone else that doesn't know the book to read the book and understand it. So he's going into an environment now where, oh, we all have to read the book. You don't think they're catering their offense in Tampa Bay to, to fit what, Tom Brady does, and he does best. Okay. Again, you're not hearing me, man. I, I hear they're you. Change, they're I, changing I hear some you. things. They're changing some things. They're making it easier. And, of course, they're catering to what Tom Brady's strengths and what it is he <laughs> likes to do. But it's different. It's not the same. Okay. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. I just, uh, you know, with the sunny weather down there, I just want wonder if you don't think that they're trying to make things easier. They're trying to make this a seamless fit. They're trying to um, 
accelerate the fit by kind of doing more things that Tom Brady is comfortable with than give him a whole playbook of what Mike Evans is used to, Godwin is what he's used to. They're probably saying, okay, Tom, lead us, buddy. That's probably what they're saying. Right. Absolutely. Lead us from this book that you're reading for the first time as opposed to you been reading it for 20 years. Yeah, but it's his book. He's he's writing a book, so I don't I don't see that that there being a huge issue there. So again, this is just something for us to talk about. We're going to talk about next week probably defenses. So stick around to hear our top ten defenses in the NFL next season, and I'll have to educate Cleveland yet again. Um, Cleveland, I want to end the show with this quote from Kobe Bryant, the late great when he says, I don't want to be the next Michael Jordan. I only want to be Kobe Bryant. I think it, from his body language and the way he played the game, you could kind of see he did emulate a lot of what Michael Jordan brought to the court. You know, closest guy to ever get to duplicate what Michael Jordan has done. Would you agree with that? Without question. The closest thing we'll ever see. Cleveland, I want to thank you, man, for partnering, making time to join us here on the Voice of the Fans podcast. As we do this each and every week, fans, go into your pockets, man. I know it's tough, man, but go into your pockets. Donate some change to our show. We need some new mics. We need some new headphones. Help us out. You fans are the ones who make this work, so help us with our equipment to do a better show. Also, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. And I want to thank you guys personally for making our voice your choice. Hey, Marcel Smiley right here. Thank you for making our voice your choice. You know what I'm saying? Let me give me a beat, dog. Let me get something. Let me get something. <laughs>